Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. taking notes this morning. The title of my message is very simply, Getting Back on Track. Can y'all say it with me? Getting Back on Track. Let's pray. Father, I pray you would help us today. Lord, if we are off track, get back on track. Lord, we thank you for your mercies and your graces that are brand new today for every single one of us here, Lord. And God, we pray that you would do a special work in this place, in our hearts, in our lives. We pray these things, believing that you'll do it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. All right. Well, let's do just a little bit of review. I want to take my time here on the beginning just to... Uh, catch you guys up on where we've been. If you were out last Sunday, no harm, no foul, you can go online, listen to the entire message. God moved in this place last Sunday. We had hundreds at the altar and people's lives were just changed. Uh, As one person said, lives were altered at the altar. It was awesome to see. And we we might do that again today. We'll see what the Lord wants to do. How many of y'all know there's nothing special about the real estate down here? But there is something special about you responding in faith, wherever you are. All right, so with all that said, last, last Sunday we started this sermon series, and we started where the Bible starts, the, the story of Abram, which is at the end of Genesis chapter 11. And oftentimes when we talk about Abraham, we know him as a man of, of, of what? Many, many nations and a man of great, you just said it, great faith, right? But I'm going to show you today that, yes, that is true of Abram, of Abraham, um, but this man was also a man of many fears. He had a man, uh, we, have, we see a man who had many, many problems along his walk. And so we started the journey last Sunday at the end of chapter 11 in Genesis 11. And we looked at how God called this man Abram. And this, this name means exalted father. How God called this man out of Ur to go to the land, to go to the place that God, that he would show him. Y'all remember that? How many of y'all can say God's called you out of Ur, out of Egypt, out of sin, out of bondage, out of darkness? Raise your hand if God's called you. Yeah, well, we can get into this and parallel some things. God God calls us out. And he he not only calls us out, but he calls us to go into something greater. And so we, we saw that last Sunday in the story of Abram. God called him out of Ur. He said, go. And God said, I will, I will, I will, I will bless, I will bless. God even said, I will curse those who curse you. And and so we see these promises in the Bible. We see initially that Abram responded. Y'all remember that? Abram responded. He and his family, they left Ur and they traveled 600 or so miles all the way northwest to a place called Haran. That's right. And the good thing about this story is that Abraham stepped out. He moved. The bad part about last week's message was that Abram, he moved and he traveled. He stepped out in faith, but he settled in Haran. He got hung up in Haran. And we know the rest of the story that, well, Abram stayed there until his father died. And then after his father died, he moved on. How many of y'all know there's a time in our journey to stop and to pause and to mourn and to grieve? There is a time to do that. But how many of y'all know we are the ones who grieve in hope? We grieve in faith. We believe that God's promises are true no matter what we walk through, even death itself. We, We pause to mourn, but we are those who get up, we wash, and we move forward because we believe that all the promises of God are yes and amen, and that what God has for us what lies ahead is greater than what is behind us. Can I get an amen? That, that's our emotional sentiment. That doesn't mean we don't grieve. It just means we grieve a certain way. Well, Abram, I'm sure he, he grieved and he mourned, but then Abram moved on. And there comes a time when you've got you to you move on. But with respect to this, this S word, settling, Abram settled there. He eventually moved on. But how many of y'all know as believers for us, Settling is not an option. Let me say it again. 
For you in your walk with Jesus, settling should not be an option. I've been at this now for uh, just over two decades, serving the Lord. And listen to me, by the grace of God, I am just as hungry for the Lord and for his word today, if not more than I was when I first started. And I got started on fire. And that's not because I'm good. That's because God is good. And that's because of God's grace. And how many of y'all know that that should be the way that our lives are? Yes, you go through dry spots, dry spells. But God is at work in our lives when you believe his promises, when you see what's ahead, all that lies ahead, you should get up out of bed full of faith saying, God, I want to grow. I want to go to the next level. And when you, when, when you settle, when you settle in your life, you are settling for less than what God has for you. How many of y'all would like to grow? How many of y'all can admit that you've all settled at some point in your spiritual walk? We all have. Maybe you are today. But the good news is that God didn't judge Abram in Haran. God's grace was with him the entire way, even when he settled. God's grace is on your life today. Maybe you've been settling. You can get back up and walk in the power and the promises of God. All right? So I, I don't want to settle, man. I, I want to, man, I'm going to dive in. I want to grow. I want to become more like Jesus. How about y'all? Yeah. I, 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 want, I want to become more like him. I want to bear fruit and fruit that remains. How many of y'all know the kingdom is here, but the kingdom is coming in full measure? And I want to be a part of all that Jesus died to provide. How about y'all? Yeah. That's me. I believe that's y'all too. We're going to do it together. We're on this journey together. So y'all ready to go? Let's do it together. So that was basically last Sunday's message. But I want you to see Ur to Haran. Abram got hung up in Haran. But here's where the story picks up today in Genesis 12. Listen carefully. What I'm about to read is so powerful. It's so filled with revelation for us. Listen to what the writer says. Genesis 12, verses 4 through 9. So Abram went. I love this. It's so optimistic. As the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of, what's it say? Of Canaan. That's right. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place At Shechem, at the Oak of Moreh. At that time, circle this in your Bible, underline if you don't mind writing. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this, this what? This land. So Abram built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east side of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Now, that's a lot of information. Let me break it down for you of what's going on here. Abram left Ur, went to Haran, finally left and arrived in the place called Canaan. He arrived to the land. He got there. But when he got there, who was there? The Canaanites. He got there, and the Canaanites were in the land. The way I've worded it is this way. The land was occupied, and his wife Sarai's womb was empty. But God appeared to him, and God said, I will give your offspring this land. Now, let me say it again. But if you look out, the land is occupied, and Sarai's womb is what? Is barren, empty, right? And so in the natural, if you're reading this story, you're like, okay, well, God said he's going to give me the land, but right now, well, there are a couple of problems. There are all the Canaanites running around. And if this is for my offspring, well, I don't have any. Are y'all getting the picture? So the land was occupied. Her womb was barren. And in the natural, we look at it and be like, oh, wow, this is very problematic. 
But this is a moment, this is a moment. Everybody say moment. It's going to change real fast. This is a moment where Abram shines. Because we're told that, that God appeared to him and God gave this word to him, this promise to him. And in response to this word in Canaan, we're told that Abram, he pitched his tent, but he built altars to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. This is like Abram saying, okay, God, you spoke. And even though the land is occupied, even though my wife's womb is barren, I'm going to believe your word. I'm going to build an altar and I'm going to trust that what you say will come to pass. So when he built an altar, the altar represents the place of offering. It's the place of sacrifice. It's a place of surrender. It's a place of faith. It's the place Abram built as a memorial to the word of God, to what God had spoken. So when Abram built these altars, let me contemporize it. It's like Abram built an altar to say, Lord, I'm surrendering to your word. I'm surrendering to your will. You have spoken, and Lord, I am, I am building this offering. I'm building this altar as a way to show you that I trust what you say is going to come to pass. This is like today, you walking onto someone's property, and even though their name is there, their address is there, their name is on the mailbox, it's like you walking onto the land, ripping that down and putting your own name there without their permission. This is like you walking onto somebody else's property without their permission, saying, this land belongs to God, and God's given it to me. Now, back in high school, I had a friend who, this guy, he liked to hunt a lot. And he would, like, go wherever he wanted. Like, fences were for animals, not for humans. And if it came to a fence, well, he would just go through to the other side. And if he saw some birds or some deer, he's just, he's just going to go wherever he wanted to go. One day he got busted by the owner of a property, and the guy said, you are trespassing. Do you know whose land you're on? You know what he said? God's. <laughs> How many of y'all know? He wasn't wrong. <laughs> but this, this is like Abram going in to a land that initially didn't belong to him, but God spoke to him saying that would be belong to his offspring, and this is Abram building an altar there on that land in faith, believing that God's word was true, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and that is God's land that he can give to whomever he wants. And so Abram builds this altar in the land, claiming that it belonged to God and to his descendants. Now, this is a picture of the way that we must live. How many of y'all know that the kingdom is here but the kingdom is coming in full measure. We should live in such a way, God, when I look out at the land, it's full of barrenness and brokenness. There's sin all around. In many respects, things don't look very, very good in this world. But on the other hand, Lord, you promised that your kingdom has come and your kingdom will continue to come. So, Lord, I'm going to trust that, God, you're going to have your way in this world. That, God, your kingdom is going to invade Israel. Your kingdom is going to invade the nations of the world. That the kingdom and the king are going to come in power. And that you, Jesus, are going to take back what belongs to you. Are y'all getting this? Ur. Haran, the land, all right, Canaanites here, no child yet, but I'm building an altar and believing your word. This land belongs to my offspring, even though I don't have any yet. Are y'all getting the story? So Abram, man, he starts out on the right foot, going on the right track. This is a moment where he shined. But how many of y'all know one verse in the Bible can change everything? One situation, one test in your life can change everything. Let's continue to, <clears throat> to read here. In Genesis 12, verse 10, listen carefully. The Bible says, now there was a what? A famine in the land. A famine in the land where Abram built the altars. There was a famine in the promised land. Look at what he did. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was what? Was severe in the land. 
Oh my gosh, y'all see what just happened. Altar, faith, calling on the name of the Lord. Uh-oh. The land of promise is not yet the land of plenty. There's a deficit here. There's not enough provision here. We better go, family, wherever we can find provision. How many of y'all know wherever God leads, God will feed? Wherever he leads, he will feed. Abram, uh-oh, well, watch what happened. Uh-oh. Like he's doing great, but then it's like, ah, provision. We better go. I know God's promised this land to my offspring, but, 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 but we got to go. We got to find food. We got to find water. So, so check this out. Abram built the altar in the land, but fear, watch this, fear drove him and his family out of the land into Egypt, down to Egypt. The land was barren. His wife's womb was barren. They travel out of Canaan into Egypt for water and for bread. To say it another way, Abram goes to Egypt, but he does so out of fearful desperation instead of from a faith-based revelation. God never said to go there. But Abram went there not because of revelation, but out of his desperation. How many of y'all know there's a big lesson there for us as well? He left the place that would be of plenty, and he goes to another land, not to the land God showed him, but to the land that suited him in the particular moment that he found himself in. Let me say it a different way. Abram was led by the fear of lack instead of faith in God's promise. How many of y'all know there's a healthy fear and there's an unhealthy fear? How many of y'all know there's a healthy sort of fear? People are casting out all kinds of fear. I'm like, well, it depends on what type you're talking about. How many of y'all know there's a fear that we should walk in, the fear of the, of the Lord? To remember that God is in heaven, we are here on earth, therefore we should let our words be few. That we are to walk respecting the God who created everything, including us. How many of y'all know we should walk in a respect there with God? There's the fear of the Lord, but watch this. There's also what's called the fear of oncoming traffic. Are y'all tracking? How many of y'all know that's a good fear? No one today would cross Johnston. You would sit out across Johnston and just walk across like this without looking what? Out of what? That you would get, how many of y'all know there's a healthy fear? There is a certain sort of fear that is logical and reasonable and natural that we live by that is for a good sense of self-preservation. There's the fear of the Lord. There's common sense fear that keeps us safe. But in the case of Abram, his fear was an unhealthy one because, watch this, don't miss this, it led him off course out of the will that is the revealed will of God. From the land of Canaan down into the land of Egypt. His fear drove him there. This wasn't Abram praying being led by revelation, going, Egypt is our next spot. This was pure, unadulterated fear. Fear drove him to this place. If you're taking notes, write this down. Fear makes us do funny things, doesn't it? Fear can make you do irrational things. Fear can, can inspire you to do things that set you on a completely different path. Please write this down. Fear-based decisions rarely, if ever, end well for us. Fear-based. I'm talking about unhealthy fear. Unhealthy, fearful decisions, not based on God's word, but based on how we feel, rarely, if ever, end well for us. What do they do? They offer direction without protection. In other words, fear gets you moving. But how many of y'all know the aim isn't just to move? The aim is to move in the will of God. How many of y'all know the aim is not just to move, but it's to move in the will of God? They offer, these decisions offer direction, but without protection, they, oh, this is a big one. They create movement, but without any real improvement. Meaning people be like, oh, I need a relationship. I need a, I need a, I need a, I need a. And they start moving, and there's movement, but without any real improvement, you find yourself exactly in the same situation that you just left. I mean, y'all know we have to be careful with this. Yes, look both ways when you're crossing the street, but if you want to know God's will, look to heaven and look to his word for revelation. 
God has outlined his revealed will for us. He doesn't tell us everything he could say, but he's told us what he wants us to know through his word and that will guide us and lead us. Check this out. Unhealthy, fearful decisions. Well, they rarely, if ever, lead us in the right direction. They, as mentioned, offer direction without protection, movement without improvement. They are driven by adrenaline from within instead of wisdom from above. They inspire us to make premature decisions, check your life on this, that often have long-lasting consequences. Out of what? Fear. Out of living by our emotions. Oh, I feel, I feel. You feel and you, how many of y'all know when you, when you experience fear, you can freeze or you can what? Take flight. We can freeze and settle or we can take flight out of, out of, a, of a sense of the need to self-preserve. Back in 1999, JFK Jr., he crashed his airplane into the water. Died, of course, in that tragic accident. But after studying the airplane, the box, and the whole scenario, going back and reviewing the records, what they discovered was that it's very likely that JFK Jr. developed in flight what's called spatial disorientation. That in the moment, he really couldn't discern which way was up, down, north, south, east, west, left, right. He, in those moments, got fearful. His emotions took over, and he thought he was flying his airplane in the right direction. Unfortunately, what for him was the right direction was, in reality, the wrong direction, straight into the water, and he crashed and died. How many of y'all know that can be a picture of our lives when we are living and flying by how we feel instead of what God says, we can crash and burn. See, the whole time, the directions were in front of him, but instead of flying according to the gauges, he flew according to his emotions. How many of y'all know that's a picture of us? Oftentimes, we are living, we are flying based on our emotions rather than what God says. Your emotions are indicators, but don't ever let them be dictators of the direction that you're walking on. There are people today, of course, because they feel God's led them to a relationship. They feel that God's led them to a new job. There are so many things that we have the tendency to respond to, not out of faith, but out of fear. What do you fear today? I could go around. We all fear something. And I'm talking about in an unhealthy sense. There's the fear of being alone. There's some people that can't be alone for any length of time. They gotta have somebody. Girls gotta have guys, guys gotta have girls, and you know the rest in between. You gotta have somebody. And God made us for companionship. I understand that. But we fear being alone, don't we? And all the married people said, there's a healthy sense in that that you wanna be with someone, right? But there's a fear of lack. There's a fear of I'm not gonna have enough. There's the fear, fears that we're led by that, that drive us to often step out prematurely into situations, into circumstances that God has not called us to be in. Let me say it again. You will never find the promises of God in a land that God never promised. You will never find the promises and the peace and the joy of God in a land that God never promised, in a relationship he never promised, in a place he never promised. How many of y'all know it's always best to wait on God's best? How many of y'all know it's always best to trust God's word? How many of y'all know when you feel fear, it's, it's important to stop and, and, and evaluate what you're thinking, what you're feeling, recalibrate and say, no, I'm not going to listen to fear. I'm going to be led by the word of God. Are y'all with me? I mean, this takes work. This takes real thought. Ask yourself this question next time you make a big decision. Am I responding out of fear because I want to self-preserve, because I want to meet some need? Ask yourself, is it a healthy fear? Is it a, is it a fear based on the fear of the Lord? Or is it a fear based on your fear of being alone? Your fear of lack? Listen to me carefully. Where God leads, God always feeds. Where he leads you, he will feed you. He will take care of you. So are y'all getting this? There's something about Lord. If I can just discern your will from your written word, if my mind can be so renewed by that, I don't need your word to spell out every detail of my life, but if I get a renewed mind and I have a heart full of faith and I trust your word, I'm going to walk smack dab in the middle of your will for my life. And I'm not saying that's going to be easy, but I'm saying that is going to be a place of spiritual blessing. Are y'all with me? Going slowly, building here. 
This is what happens when we live by our emotions. Fly by our emotions. We think it's the right direction. JFK Jr. thought he was going in the right direction. How many of y'all know he did? He did. But it was the wrong direction. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to what? Yeah, destruction, death. But listen to me carefully. Please write this down. Faith in the promises of God. Faith. Surrender. And to, to the promises of God is the end of all striving and the beginning, listen carefully, of clear thinking. Let me read it again. Faith in the promises of God is the end of all striving and the beginning of clear thinking. Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my what? Through the laying on of my hands. Look at this. It's so good. For God gave us a spirit, what? Not of, but of, and love, and what? Self-control. My old pastor used to say it this way. Whenever you experience, you feel fear coming on you, listen, refuse the package and return it to cinder. Return it to where it came from. Unless it's the fear of the Lord, the fear that's coming on you is not from the Lord. And if you want to be led by the Lord, you cannot operate out of a spirit of fear. Return to sender, refuse the package. How many of y'all feel it when it comes on you, the fear? You feel it, right? Man, it grips you, it seizes you, it's a feeling, it's not just something you think. It's a, it's a feeling, it's visceral. When you experience it, you can quote this scripture. God has not given me a spirit of fear. That spirit is not from God. That spirit is from the world. That spirit is from the pit of hell. I do not receive it. I will not operate in it. My mind is operated, controlled, and led by the spirit of God. All who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God who walk in the will of God. And therefore, I will not be afraid. I will not fear. I will not choose based on fear. I will walk according to God's word and his promises. And let God protect me. Because where God leads me, God will feed me. Are y'all getting this? I'm working here. Where he leads you, he'll feed you. You've got a spirit from on high, not the spirit from below. The spirit, the spirit of God himself living in us. So Abraham, well, he started out doing pretty well. Left Ur, he goes to Haran, hung up in Haran, goes to Canaan, builds the altar. This is awesome. I'm like, all right, we got it going on, Abe. But then he goes down to Egypt out of fear. Man, this is a picture of our lives. The seasons that we go through. There are people that are doing so well at church, in a small group, Serving, loving God, husbands loving their wives, serving their wives, doing so good. And then it's like one test, one verse, one moment in their life, and the wrong decision in it can change everything and get them off course. Let me, let me just say this in passing. If you miss church every now and then, it's not a big deal. But when you miss church once, okay, Twice, okay, two vacations in a row. How many of y'all know, when you stay at home at the Mattress Springs Church of Christ? <laughs> and you're laying there watching me in bed flipping. Baby, come listen to that. You rewind, go back. Mm. All comfortable up in the Mattress Springs. It gets easier and easier and easier. To miss. Oh, but the, we're so busy. Right. I am too. <laughs> it gets easier and easier and easier to step out, to go down, to step out. The great thing about it is there's all, there's all kinds of grace for, for us in those moments when we step out. We can step right back in. 
There are people who step out because of COVID, step out for all kinds of reasons, but by the grace of God, you step back in. And I want to encourage you to keep stepping back in every single Sunday to be here. I'm going to preach the, I'm going to yell at y'all every Sunday. I'm going to preach that word. Y'all are going to get fired up. Be in your small groups. Be in your small groups. Gather in prayer. Get around people who will help you get a renewed mind so you can discern the will of God and walk in the ways of God. How many of y'all know you won't get that from culture, but you will get it from this one? You will get it from this one. All right, enough of that. Abram went down to Egypt. He went because of fearful desperation, but ultimately he was led by the spirit of self-preservation. Let's, let's continue to read Genesis 12, 11 through 13. When he was about to enter Egypt, listen carefully. He said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you're a woman beautiful in appearance. She was 65 at the time. She had it going on. 65-year-old women, you know who you are. I'll, let, yeah, I'll leave that right there. But she had it going on. She was beautiful. Listen to what it said. I know that you're a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. And they will kill me, but they'll let you live. Watch this, y'all. You ready for some manipulation? You're like, no, I got enough of my life. Verse 13. Say you are my what? That it may go well with let me read that again. So that it may go well with because of. And that my life may be spared for your sake. Boy, that's perfect, isn't it? Per- picture perfect dysfunction. Right here in the text. The Bible says Sarai was beautiful. And because she was beautiful, as they sojourned into Egypt, he was worried that, well, they would, the, the Egyptians would see them, see her, and be like, whoa, we want her, but to get her, we're going to kill him, the husband. And this was just the culture of the day. Abraham, Abraham knew that this was the case, the temptation. So he, he tells Sarai, he said, Here, here's the way you handle this. Tell them you are my what? My sister. Which was a half-truth. The truth is, yeah, Sarah was his wife, but also his half-sister, Genesis 20, 12. It's true. At least half-true. Say you are my sister, because if they, they think that you're my sister, then watch this. In order to get to you, they have to go through me as your sibling to get a contract with me to marry you. So this was, this was for self-preservation. T- tell them, yeah, yeah, tell them you're my sister. Now watch what happens here. This deception was for self-preservation. Abram used his wife to preserve his life. He used her to preserve himself. Oh, y'all, Genesis chapter 12, beginning there in the opening part of the chapter, God said, I will, I will bless, I will bless, I will curse. This is Abram going to a place that God never called him to go, essentially saying, God, I've got this. I've got this. I will, I will, I will protect, I will lie, I will manipulate. How many of y'all know a man or a woman of God never has to lie or manipulate to get the blessing? The blessing is ours in Jesus. You don't have to lie. You don't have to tell half-truths. You don't have to manipulate. You don't even have to worry about your life because God is the one who will protect you and preserve you. But notice this. Abram's dealing with the problem that he shouldn't even have to deal with because he's in a land that God never promised. Y'all, when you step outside of the will of God, the revealed will of God, you're stepping into all kinds of problems that you feel like you have to work through on your own. And one of the worst things in life is to be on our own. But thanks be to God, even when we do that, we're never fully on our own. How many of y'all are thankful that even when you've done that, even when you did that, God's favor and his grace was upon you knowing your stupidity in advance and still had a plan for you out of it in advance? Man, there's so much here. A man or a woman of God doesn't need to lie or manipulate because protection and promotion come from the Lord. Listen carefully. If you have to lie to get it, You're going to have to lie to keep it. If you manipulate to get it, boy, you're going to have to manipulate continuously to keep it. And I know this from way past experience. 
Nothing will wear us out faster than fear and falsehood. People who live in a perpetual lie are worn out people. Why? Because they're trying to keep up with reality and their version of it. And that's a lot to keep up with up here and in here. You're trying to remember what you said and what you did to keep up with the facade. How many of y'all know that will exhaust you and wear you out? Nothing will wear you out faster than fear and falsehood. And this is what for a season Abram's walking in all for self-preservation. Oh man, this whole chapter wouldn't even, been, wouldn't even be in the Bible if Abram had obeyed and stayed in the place that God had promised. How many terrible chapters in your life would not be in your life if you had stayed in the place that God had promised? In his word, in prayer, in godly relationship. Am I preaching good to anybody today? It's a true story. It's a true story. But watch this. We're, we're getting ready to get ready to close. Watch this. It, lo- it looked like, it looked like for a time, Abram's plan worked. Genesis 12, 15, and 16. Listen carefully. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and for her sake he dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. All that was given to Abram because of his wife Sarai, who was taken into Pharaoh's house. Well, there's a time in your life when you manipulate and you operate out of fear for a time. It can look like you're prospering and it looks like God's favor on you. But how many of y'all know there's nothing wrong with money? But you can't look out at someone and see the money and say, oh, God has favored them because they're rich. I know a lot of lost people who got a lot of money and there's no favor on their lives. We've got to remember this. But for, for, for the righteous, the Bible says that God brings blessing and honor wealth and riches, and he adds no trouble, no sorrow to it. Oh, man, I love when I find a person who's got, they might have a lot of money, but they don't live by that need for money. They live by their love for God, and they give it away. They're generous, sowing seeds all the time. There's nothing wrong with you having money, but don't let your money have you. Don't let it grip you and control you. He was given, there was blessing, so to speak, that was given. But that didn't mean that God was pleased overall. Watch this. Pharaoh blessed Abram because of her. And we don't know for sure who was among the female servants. But do y'all remember what happened in Genesis 16 when Sarai and Abram got impatient? When she wasn't getting pregnant the promised child had not yet come. Do y'all remember what happened? Genesis 16. Hey, uh, Sarai said, perhaps the promise can come through whom? Hagar, the Egyptian servant. Where did Hagar come from? Down in Egypt. Where did Abram likely acquire Hagar? In a sojourn in unbelief down in Egypt. Who did they rely on when the promise wasn't happening? Sarah said, well, perhaps, Abram, you can go lie with Hagar. Perhaps the promise can come through her. And Abram got with Hagar, and they had a child. And that child's name was Ishmael. But the Ishmael, Ishmael was not the child of promise. Listen carefully. In other words, Abram and Sarah made a fear-based decision to have a child their way instead of God's way. It's not happening through me. Sarah said, maybe, oh, we got this Hagar, this Egyptian that we acquired. Maybe it can happen through her. Watch this. All of us at some point have had our own Hagar. And of course, I don't mean a woman. Well, for some people it could be that. But it's the, just in case God doesn't come through the way I want him to in my timing sort of thing. You've been believing God, trusting God, standing on faith, building altars, coming to the altar. 
and then you, one day you just are like, I've had enough, but I, oh, wait, oh, I forgot, I've got this second option. Maybe, maybe God's going to do it another way. But that other way is not according to his revealed way, and we step out of the will of God and begin trusting in a person instead of trusting God. You ever had a Hagar? Mm-hmm. We can be guilty of doing the same thing. We like to keep our options open. Listen carefully. When God doesn't act in our timing, we are tempted to accelerate the process through our cunning, our manipulation. When God doesn't provide in Canaan, we are tempted to retreat to Egypt. When God doesn't help us through Sarai, we are tempted to help God through Hagar. Lord, let me give you a little bit of help. I know you said it would come this way, but, mm, but I, got, I got a Hagar. This way's, too, this way's too hard. How about this one, if we're honest? This way takes way too much faith. <laughs> oh, but this way, oh, this is a little bit easier. How many of y'all know we're going to follow the path of least resistance? But how many of y'all know the path sometimes of least resistance can be the path out of the revealed will of God? Are y'all with me today? Hagar is anything that meets a need but fails to bring true fulfillment. Because what happened? Hagar gets pregnant. Sarai has a child through her. Need, child. Okay, we got movement here. A need was met. But that, that wasn't the child of a promise. Who was the child of promise? Isaac. There was movement, but not toward the fulfillment of the promise. Listen carefully. Hagar is anything that allows us to still believe in God, but without really trusting God. They didn't abandon their faith in Yahweh. They just chose a different route that was easier and one that made more sense to them in the moment because they were tired of waiting on God. If you're in a season right now where you are waiting on God, I promise you that is, it's, a, it's a season of testing. Now let me quote Pastor Jacob Aranza who said that the test will pass when you pass the test. Meaning, realize it for what it is. It is one big test in your life. God wants you and me to trust him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all that we have, not just believing that he exists, but knowing that he's good and that he is going to work it out for our good as we wait on him and trust his word. Don't step out in fear. Wait on him in faith. Here in the story, Abram acquired, most likely, Hagar <laughs> down in Egypt. There are very few things, if anything, that you will ever utilize now in your Christian walk that you picked up from your past. Sometimes God can use something there. But Egypt in the Bible, in most cases, not all, is a picture of bondage. It's a place of judgment. And I don't know about y'all, but when God brought me out of Egypt, I ripped off the rearview mirror. I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward to the provision of God and the promises he's called me to walk in. I've got some Hagars that I could pull from my past, from my Egypt. How many of y'all know they're better left in Egypt? Don't, don't try to walk in the promises of God by relying on the ways of the flesh from Egypt. We're almost done. Don't miss this. Genesis 12, 17 through 20. Sarai's in his house, in Pharaoh's house. Watch this. So good. But the Lord, verse 17, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Whoa. Who did? 
the Lord. The Lord afflicted Pharaoh's house. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and what? And go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he, what? All that he had. Do you see what's happening here? God judged Pharaoh's house. Do you know what that's a foreshadowment of? The book of Exodus. When God would judge Pharaoh's house, Abraham's fear drove him into Egypt. But God's favor got him out. This story ends with Abram and his family being driven because of the judgment of God on Pharaoh's house out of Egypt. And let's read what happens next. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, verse, verses 1 and 4, 1 through 4 here in chapter 13. He and his wife and all that they had and a lot with him into the Negev. Look at this. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. And he journeyed, watch this, on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been when? Where? At the beginning. Between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at first. And there, in that place where he started, Abram called upon the name of the Lord. Wow. Do you see what happened? Abram, out of fear, went into Egypt. Lied, manipulated. But even still, God's favor was on him then. Because even though his fear drove him in, God's favor got him out. The story begins with him going down, but it ends with him coming out. How many of y'all know that's a picture of our lives? There are times when we go out of the promise, off trail, into fear, into unbelief, into Egypt, so to speak. But God loves us so much. His favor is on our lives. The conviction of God is there. And though you went there, by the grace of God, you don't have to stay there. You can come up out of that place of bondage to fear and unbelief. That's the text. That's the movement through the text. Fear drove him in. Favor got him out. Let me ask you a question. What are you afraid of today? What are you anxious about today? Being alone? Not having enough? What's your fear? Fear can make us do irrational, silly things that drive us out of God's revealed will for our lives. There is so much fear today on God's people. And this isn't to judge you. This is just to state the obvious. Fear, the fear factor, is often a controlling factor for people in their choice of relationships, in their choice of where they go, where they work, where they live, where they go on a day-to-day -day basis. We can sometimes be led more by fear than by faith in God's promise. What are you afraid of today? Maybe you've stepped off track. And maybe right now, of course, not in a physical place, but in your heart space. You're in Egypt. You're in Egypt. Maybe you find that you're having to lie and manipulate and work for God to get the blessing. Maybe you're living a double life. One of faith on Sunday, one of fear later in the week. Listen carefully. I love this story. It's so, to me, very simple and profound that he went down, but he came out. Fear drove him in. Favor got him out. And we're told here that Abram returned to the place where he started. Don't y'all love that? that picture of the grace of God that for whatever reason maybe you've stepped off course isn't it awesome 
that no matter who you are, where you've been, what you're dealing with, that you can turn around and head out of that place back into the promise of God. He returned to the altar, to the place where he started. Some of y'all, you're like, what, am I, what do I do? Where do I go? I'm lost. I'm in fear. I've got these issues. Where do I go? Simple, simple answer. Back to the place of sacrifice and surrender where you initially in your Christian walk built an altar to the Lord and called on his name back to the place where you started when you had faith and trusted his word. Where do I go? Simply back in your heart to the place of surrender. Oh, we can overcomplicate Christianity, can't we? Where do I go? What do I do? I mean, I can give you directives, Pastor David, the team, we're going to give you directives. But listen, the, the fundamental place that you go and remain is surrender. <laughs> to the place of God, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how, but I know who. I trust your word. I'm building an altar. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to walk in your promises. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to get in my small group. I'm going to get a renewed mind. I'm not going to stay in fear and unbelief and sin. I'm going to walk in your promises, oh God. Because your ways are good. Your ways are pleasing. Your ways are all ways. What a special place where in your heart and in your mind and in your soul you are settled and trusting God at his very word you know unbelief will wear you out trying to figure out just surrender to the Lord and his purposes for your life that place is the right place a posture of your heart. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that you have not given us a spirit of fear. God, but you've given us a spirit of love, power, and self-discipline. 